Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender. This is about the third different introduction I've recorded over the past two nights, uh, just filming, uh, recording this episode, rather, because there's so much that's happened in the past two days, and I keep getting more stuff that's happening. So I'm going to start playing clips of what I originally had planned for the show, and then kind of parse through it uh, as we go along, because, I mean, this... This has been a crazy 48 hours in sports. So, uh, leading off, I'm going to start getting into the Blake Griffin trade. So, stay tuned, folks. Uh, we got a good one coming up. Okay, guys. So, leading off uh, the Fantasy Throwdown podcast tonight, we've got big news in the NBA with Blake Griffin being traded from the Clippers to Detroit. I mean, last time we checked in on Blake, he was defending the honor of the Clippers against the incredibly intimidating Chris Paul and his backstreet boy singing uh, teammates, Trevor Ariza and James Harden. Uh, I mean, it's just tragic how this heated rivalry between the Clippers and Rockets now is postponed because of such a dramatic trade. But like the as soon as I heard this news tonight, the only thing I could think of because of just how ridiculous it is in terms of Blake Griffin getting traded on the heels of the Clippers signing him to a five-year, $171 million extension and claiming him to be a Clipper for life and that his jersey would be hung in the rafters. This is not exaggeration. This is actually how they sold Blake Griffin on that contract extension without a no-trade clause, mind you. Uh, the only thing that came to mind describing how ridiculous uh, this scenario is uh, would be this. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the 
Detroit. I mean, seriously, the, I mean, you take Blake Griffin, who's about the softest player in the NBA over six feet seven, and you transplant him from Southern California into the middle of Detroit. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm still speechless at this trade because literally this is like a trade where no one benefits. I'm trying to think of... A scenario where we have a trade where no one improved whatsoever and everyone's miserable. So, uh, to break down the trade, uh, Griffin goes uh, with uh, Bryce Johnson and Willie Reed. I mean, two bench players that really weren't doing anything with the Clippers. Uh, in exchange uh, for uh, Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, and Boban Marjanovic, uh, he of the tall figure with humongous ears that kind of looks like. Uh, relative of George Murison from years ago. And most importantly, a first-round pick in next year's draft, that's a top-four protected pick, in case uh, uh, the, the Pistons fall out of it. But, uh, I mean, this is... And also a, a second-round pick in 2019. But literally, the Clippers made a trade just to get a draft pick. Because, for all intents and purposes... The Clippers have given up. And Doc Rivers can say whatever he wants about DeAndre Jordan, but if I'm DeAndre Jordan, I have all my things packed and ready to go expecting to trade at this point. Because uh, given what happened to Griffin <laughs> getting dumped in the middle of Detroit, I mean, how do you go and sell a guy on staying with your franchise, saying that he's going to be a Clipper for life, and you trade him the same season he signs his contract extension? I mean, Blake Griffin is going to be making excess of $30 million, and he has the luxury of spending it in Detroit. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not even sure where he's going to go for MTV Cribs, but uh, yeah, this is not going to end well. And the only reason why I see Detroit making this trade is just the acknowledgement that, you know, they could try ex extending uh, Andre Drummond to a max deal. But the truth of the matter is they're never going to be able to attract a free agent worthy of a max contract to Detroit. So the only way they could do it was by trading. And the only team they found desperate enough to trade a, a max deal player was the Clippers. Because Blake Griffin's going to be absolutely miserable. And <laughs> the only thing he can say is that, you know, he has to play it out for at least two years and hope he gets traded by the time uh, he's uh, 30 and making 36 mil a year. And that uh, Detroit uh, gets pissed off enough or uh, he opts out, which I can't see him opting out because he's never going to get that money uh, that he's getting right now because of the way the salary cap was structured uh, uh, and this little gap year. So uh, to me, this is like a match made in hell because uh, 
Griffin's making money, but he's got nowhere to spend it, and he's not. You took a guy from. I mean, uh, l- l- let's let's just backtrack here. You've got Blake Griffin growing up in Oklahoma, plays for the Sooners in college, goes out to L.A. and has been enjoying the L.A. life for six plus years now. Now you're asking him to go back to the East Coast. Play in the East, which, again, not exactly the most glamorous place to be when basically you're being the chew toy for LeBron James and wherever he feels like playing. Although this year, the Cavs are looking so bad that, you know, maybe, maybe the Cavs to get knocked out early in the Eastern Conference playoffs. It begs to be be seen, but uh, we'll we'll take that with a a great assault as we stand right here right now. But, I mean, this is just bizarre. It's a poor... I mean, the Pistons literally just traded for Blake Griffin to form up a poor man's version of Blake, DeAndre, and Chris Paul that was going on out west. I mean, DeAndre Drummond is... uh, I mean, it's hard to describe Drummond because Drummond plays even worse defense than DeAndre... uh, And... You know, I, I I just can't. I really can't imagine how this is even uh, how they actually thought this was a good idea. Andre Drummond plays worse defense than DeAndre Jordan. He's a better passer than Jordan by far. He's a better ball handler and he's got better offensive skills. Yes, uh, there's no question about that. But a worse defender, and Blake's not a great defender either. So that you can't protect the rim. Reggie Jackson is not even close to being Chris Paul. I mean, no one's going to be able to run the point. Avery Bradley better at running the point than uh, Reggie Jackson is more often than not when, I, uh, when I'm watching the Pistons play. And uh, Avery Bradley wasn't going to get the contract from the Pistons, so they announced him he was available for a trade. But I just didn't think it was going to go down like this. So, uh, you know, this could... I mean, honestly, this trade has, there's a zero-sum game trade here. Either this trade works out fantastically for the the Pistons, and they proved me wrong, or Stan Van Gundy as coach of GM is going to get fired within the year, uh, within a year. Uh, there's there's no if, if, ands, or buts. It's like, this either has to work out uh, like flawlessly, or it's going to be a complete and other dumpster fire. Uh, because Blake's contract... Kills them from doing anything else outside of the mid-level ex- exemption uh, for a veteran player. And, you know, again, it's Detroit. How many guys are you really going to convince to come out there? Not that many. I mean, even Cleveland's got more appeal just because it's uh, you got LeBron. But uh, LeBron, uh, once LeBron leaves Cleveland, Cleveland and Detroit are going to be in the exact same spot they've been in for the past uh, uh, two decades uh, before LeBron. So uh, this is... I mean, this, this is just a whole lot of, ugh. <laughs> uh, and let's break it down from the Clippers end, because I guess you could argue that the Clippers, even though they gave up the best player in the trade, won the trade, because, you know, Avery Bradley can play, Tobias Harris is serviceable, Marjanovic, yeah, you know, he he's a body but more importantly, they say they shave off the cap space that they paid the Griffin to save face with their fan base. 
who, if I'm a Clippers fan, I'm I'm jumping so fast off the bandwagon. It's unbelievable. You'd think Donald Sterling still owned this team, the, the way the Clippers have operated in the past year. Because before, you were selling people on, we're going to keep Chris Paul and Blake together with DeAndre. We're, we're going to build this right. We're going to build around them. Uh, J.J. Reddick's gone. Paul's gone. Uh, Blake's gone. DeAndre's about to follow him because there's no way they're keeping DeAndre as the sole piece uh, in that franchise. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, by all metrics, uh, De- uh, DeAndre's got to be gone now. But it this isn't this is nuts. Uh, so uh, basically, the only thing I could see here for the Clippers is uh, you trade Lou Williams and you uh, trade DeAndre. Get young. You 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 completely turn this thing over to Doc Rivers. Hope that he can draft young players. But the most fascinating thing for me is going to be seeing how Doc manages Avery Bradley because I know Doc is going to finagle this somehow to give even more playing time to his son, Austin Rivers, even though Avery Bradley's better at every metric as a basketball player than Austin Rivers, with maybe the exception of shooting three-pointers. That's about the only thing Austin Rivers can do over Avery Bradley at this stage. Uh, And somehow, Austin Rivers, I have no doubt, will still get more playing time than Avery Bradley. Uh, You know, like I said, for Clippers fans, you know, this is a nightmare. (laughs) I mean, if you're a Clippers season ticket holder, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it is what it is, man. I mean, this is just, oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, from a fantasy impact standpoint, uh, I don't see much of an impact to Blake's numbers. Uh, to be fair, uh I don't see much of an impact to Andre Drummond's numbers. I think they'll be able to play well together. Uh, they're both offensive-minded, but that, you know they should be able to uh, pass the ball and uh, be able to uh, uh, get dribbled penetration. Uh, you know, I don't. I just don't see a spike in offense from the Pistons, though. Uh, they don't have any. Uh, they don't have any perimeter play outside of uh, Reggie Jackson at this point. You know, the again, this is just. Uh, I mean, if you look at it uh, from the Pistons standpoint, uh, their bench, I mean, it's so uh, lukewarm now. I mean, you got Luke Kennard, uh, former Knicks cast uh, cast off Langston Galloway, Stanley Johnson, uh, Reggie Bullock, uh, just not good options. And, you know, this is a franchise that passed on uh, just a number of well-producing guards uh, this NBA season, I, I mean, this is, you know, Detroit's Detroit's got issues uh, in terms of their guard play. I just don't see anyone putting up uh, decent fantasy numbers. I can't recommend anyone on Detroit. And from the Clippers, it's going to be a mess trying to sort out the minutes because of the influx of players that they got. They, they got four players that should be getting minutes uh, because they traded Detroit's bench. It's just that none of these players outside of Bradley have much of a role on uh, the Clippers and the fear I have for the Clippers. uh, If I'm uh, Avery Bradley owner is the fact that doc will figure out a way of getting Austin Rivers playing time over Avery Bradley. When the the opposite should be true is that Austin Rivers should be on the bench in favor of Avery Bradley. And they shouldn't be even close to splitting uh, minutes together. Uh, It's just, uh, 
I'm I'm very curious to see what the Clippers do because this seems like a situation where they're going to tank and play a ton of Austin Rivers minutes. Uh, uh, I mean, this should be fun. <laughs> Not for Clippers fans, but for general uh, viewers who like to see nepotism and just NBA incompetence in action. This should be this should be a fun experiment because you got two teams where I think they both are negatively impacted by their own traits. But, uh, you know, I, I guess they felt the need to stir things up. But, man, I feel like this is going to blow up in both their faces. Uh, and not too uh, not too far from now either. I, I, I definitely see some long-term hangover effects for both, uh, for both franchises. But, uh, uh, you know, it begs to be seen. But, yeah, this is, this is interesting. So, anyway, uh, I'm going to get into... Uh, the Super Bowl, uh, we we had the initial night of uh, Super Bowl week. So both teams are in uh, uh, in Minnesota. Uh, so, the, you know, the interview process has already started. The dog masks are out for the, uh, for the Philly players. Uh, no respect, blah, blah, blah. They're underdogs, nobody respects them, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the line's gone down to four and a half. And, you know, ideally, this is one where... Again, if you look at the history of the Patriots in Super Bowl uh, since uh, the the Brady Belichick era started, you start thinking about it and saying, "Hmm, this this is where things get a little bit interesting." So, uh, breaking down the numbers here, prior to last year, the Patriots have never won a game by more than four points in the Super Bowl, and even their margin of defeat has been uh, uh, tiny as well. So, just going back, so when they played the Rams. Uh, in Super Bowl 36, it was a 2017 game. Uh, Vinatieri kicked the game-winning field goal. Blah 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 blah. Uh, Pats win. Uh, you know the Rams still claim that their practices were recorded, which is probably true. Probably true. But hey, you know the, Mike March should have ran the football with uh, Marshall Falk more. Mike March screwed up that game, but you know. It is what it is. Uh, you go to Super Bowl thirty eight. Uh, the Panthers. John Casey kicks the ball out of bounds, and the Patriots march right down the field and kick uh, the game winning field goal with a minute left to go. Uh, well, with uh, less than uh, ten seconds left to go in the game, Casey kicked the ball out of bounds uh, with just over a minute left to go in the game. Uh, I was uh, about. 40 wings deep at that point in the game. It was a very long night in college, uh, given the pregame, Nipplegate, and the streaker. Uh, but I, I distinctly remember just how miserable we were after the Pats won that Super Bowl because John Casey kicked the ball out of bounds. So, uh, call back to Holy Cross days. Uh, going the next year. Also remember this night from Holy Cross. Uh, so Eagles beat the pa- uh, I mean Eagles lose to the Patriots rather at uh, uh, 24-21 uh, where we basically were cheering almost well everyone except me uh, everyone except me was basically cheering outside of the Boston uh, uh, members of our uh, group uh, cheering for the Eagles I could not actually cheer for the Eagles I was basically torn between you know. Maybe saying that, you know, at least Dobbin might win a Super Bowl, but I still could not bear to actually cheer for the Eagles. But then seeing McNabb just puke all over the place as uh, they're 
Andy Reid just could not run a two-minute drill to save his life. And T.O. blames uh, McNabb, but, you know, that game still was on Andy Reid. I mean, they mismanaged the clock so badly in that game. Uh, yeah, just another, another night of just listening to Pats fans celebrate. But, yeah, a three-point victory. Then comes one of my favorite nights ever. The Giants beating the Pats 17-14. And a bunch of people just uh, from New England just complaining about Asante Samuel missing an interception on Eli and the helmet catch. Again, a three-point game involving the Pats. They lost, but it was great. Uh, Then you get the rematch with the Giants. And this time I was confident the Giants were actually winning this one. Uh, with Super Bowl 46, uh, Eli making the pass to Manningham, Manningham almost screwing up the drive, and Eli almost throwing a pick because Manningham ran the wrong route. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw scoring when everyone told him to get down, but you know we still ended up stopping uh, Brady anyway on the final drive. So uh, Giants win 21-17 again, a tight margin of victory of uh, four points. Uh, for the Giants, so making it 2-0 against the Pats because we're the only team that finds a way not to lose to the Pats by screwing ourselves over. So then you go into the next matchup, Pats-Seahawks, in a game where I, for the life of me, could not get over the fact that the Seahawks managed to blow this game and you know i i will never forgive daryl bevel and pete carroll for calling that inside slant i don't care what the excuse was and everyone keeps saying that it's the most uh, 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 like unfairly criticized but like there were there were people who were like uh, uh seattle truthers or uh, inside slant truthers or analytics truthers but there are folks that are to this day still argue that calling an inside slant on that play was not the worst decision they could have called and that it was more execution on Russell Wilson's part. I, I still can never get over that one. If the Pats knew you were going to run that play, from the bat you know it's the wrong, the wrong call. Marshawn Lynch was averaging over four and a half yards a carry in that second half alone against the Patriots. He didn't even get enough touches in that game. He even ran it down to the one when he started from the five. He had four yards on that carry. There was no explanation as to why Marshawn could not get the ball on that carry. Goal line. He was running over Vince Wilfork. There was no point. But again, that is another story. So... The Pats win 28-24 off of the dumbest call in Super Bowl history. I still maintain that. Possibly the dumbest call in NFL history, but we have a number of other contenders for that uh, reward. Uh, Still going down with uh, the Chuck Pagano fake punt formation play against the Pats. Of course, it was against the Pats. Uh, That's still probably going down as the dumbest call uh, ever in an NFL game. But regardless... Uh, that's still the dumbest call in Super Bowl history as far as I'm concerned. And then, last year, we have the Pats with their greatest victory of all and largest margin of victory, 
34 to 28 over the Falcons in overtime after the Falcons blow a 25 point lead. You know, the less said about this game, the better, because I still get angry watching and rewatching this game about how many times the Falcons wasted. It's it's just tiring, tiring watching Kyle Shanahan shoot himself in the foot constantly, and yet still Kyle Shanahan had a better year play calling than Steve Sarkeesian running the Atlanta offense because at least the Atlanta offense was high-powered last year. This year, Steve Sarkeesian made the Atlanta offense look pedestrian, which is insane because they brought back the entire group. But yes, the Patriots had their largest margin of victory by six points in a game they had no business winning. So the Eagles fans are pointing to this Citing the fact that they're still getting no respect, the fact that the line is at four, uh, started out at five and a half, went down to four and a half. I, I look at this and I keep saying is that New England has been beatable. They've been beatable. But again, you're putting your faith in Nick Foles, who outside of, I mean, this is tough. I'm 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 literally debating here between Jake DeLome and Nick Foles to see if this uh, I I still say this is a far worse quarterback than Jake DeLome, but you know just because at that period of time Jake DeLome actually was a serviceable NFL starter, uh, Nick Foles, you know everyone's talking about the Vikings game, uh, you know Cam and I talked about just absolutely trashing the Vikings and how pitiful they were uh, in that game. I mean, Foles had wide receivers open. He still, uh, uh, in my opinion, can't throw into a tight spot. He can't throw a wide receiver and get them open. They have to be open for him to complete passes. I, I just look at this and I'm saying to myself, even with the Patriots' history of not being able to cover games, I still would take the Patriots with the four and a half. And it's and it pains me. This this legitimately pains me. But I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going through the film breakdown. But as it stands right now, I'm I'm still looking at uh uh the Pats and you know if I see one more advertiser for this stupid Tom Brady Facebook series, I'm gonna slam my head into a wall. I just saw another one. Uh anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Tom, you cannot defeat Father Time. Uh, th- you're still going to lose. It-, it does not matter how much avocado water you drink or inject into your veins. You're still going to age, and it's still going to have uh, destructive long-term effects for your health. But, yeah, sure, make the documentary about beating Father Time. Awesome. Anyway, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the Patriots rally. I could play clips from the Eagles rally, except for the fact that uh, the language exhibited by the Eagles uh, rally, I cannot actually air because of how vile it is. But uh, just to paraphrase exactly some of the comments that were being insinuated, uh, Eagles fans would like to have sex with Giselle Bunchett, who wouldn't, but in a way where uh, they would have sex with Giselle and force Tom to watch would actually kind of institute rape but uh, again this is philadelphia so i actually think they might view that as a term of endearment 
Uh, it's uh, it seems to be uh, one where I, I kind of look at it regardless of who wins the Super Bowl uh, this upcoming Sunday. It is uh, probably going to look something like a, a, a something out of the Purge movie series uh, by the time. Uh, uh, the game uh, comes to a conclusion uh, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, you just got a fan base that has no self-control whatsoever. But speaking of fan bases with no self-control whatsoever, we have the Patriots uh, and their fan base uh, of uh, of delinquent. So uh, at the Patriots rally, uh, we, we had this little tidbit uh, that came along, which I, I just found hysterical just because it is such a Boston accent that, it, uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll just play the clip. I gotta play that over again. <laughs> Jump of us! Oh man, I, I, you know, there are some days where I, 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 I do admit that I miss just being in mass, just a wee bit, just a wee bit for just sheer level of obnoxiousness at times. And just complete degradation of the English language itself. But, uh, yes, Jalfafus. Uh, yes, uh, that, that, that is the, the Patriots rallying cry. Uh, we, everyone hates New England because they win. No, they hate you guys because you cheat and you find ways of winning. So it just kind of degrades anything else. But, uh, yeah, sure, sure. You hate us because you, uh, uh, you win. Yeah, sure, because... Everyone hates the Yankees because we win and we just keep spending money. But even when we were losing, they found ways of making us lovable again with the baby bombers. Until we just started buying people up again and now we can be hated as the evil empire. We're, we're good with that. You guys just actually find ways of cheating and gaming the system. But yes, uh, we're jealous of you. Somehow. Even though the Giants still are 2-0 and against you guys. But hey, yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 Go go with that. Go with that. So, uh, we we got more on tap with um, Media Day coming up tomorrow. So, uh, we should get some decent quotes. Well, from the Eagles, hopefully. The Pats won't say anything. Uh, maybe Gronk will say something entertaining. But I, I think they may ha- have Gronk on uh, just uh, babysitting duty with uh, uh Brady's kids or something, or just keep Gronk completely away from the microphone as much as possible just to uh, make sure they can't uh, uh, be in a position where uh, Gronk says something out of line so or just uh, too sexually <laughs> explicit or so, so, something that you would expect Gronk to do. So uh, that's all for now. Uh, I'm actually going to cut this one short. I'll finish up uh, the rest of uh, the uh, podcast uh, tomorrow because we, we're going to have a little bit more on deck because uh, I, I want to get into uh, just some uh, other items uh, of the 
of the day because well, we we should hear a little bit more on uh, a basically uh, basically uh, the Premier League because uh, we have the transfer deadline coming up uh, at the end of the month. So uh, Wednesday we should get a word, but uh, I do want to uh, touch on a couple of other uh, uh, other items, uh, including the. Uh, latest in MLS because we've got a new franchise uh, that's uh, on the way uh, that I'm going to get into with David Beckham uh, as he bends it in Miami. But uh, uh, we'll get into uh, Beckham in Miami because it looks like that's going to be a whole ordeal because it should have happened five years ago. And then it went by the way side for a number of reasons. Uh, But that seems to be on again. So uh, I'm going to uh, take a break for now. We'll uh, uh, try to finish this up uh, tomorrow, and uh, we'll get back at it. But uh, uh, stay tuned. Good evening, and we are back on the Fantasy Throwdown podcast. So this is technically the part two. It is now Tuesday night. Uh, we had a Monday night uh, go through, uh, and I did some of my analysis, but uh, we had a uh, bit of uh development over last 24 hours so uh a couple of things i didn't get to uh monday that i want to talk about was uh wwe uh why am i talking about wrestling because they just got the biggest star that you could have in uh fighting in ronda rousey rousey obviously uh ufc uh, skyrocketed to fame just uh, being in movies and television. Uh, Rousey, you know, UFC career was already breaking down because of uh, two shock and just devastating losses. Now, you could poke holes in Ronda's actual fighting ability all you want. The fact of the matter is, marketability-wise, uh, outside of Conor McGregor, she was the biggest star for the UFC Bar none. And part of the reason why they sold for over $4 billion to WME, uh, private equity group. I mean, uh, between Connor and Ronda, that's what the UFC was sold for uh, based off of those two uh, actors alone. Now, of course, uh, in hindsight being 2020, they didn't foresee Ronda going down the path that she did with those losses. But, hey, the Fertitta brothers sold while the market was hot. And uh, the market still says Ronda is a very viable commodity. And so, uh, based off of the uh, the appearance at the Royal Rumble last night, well, not last night, but uh, Sunday night, rather, uh, Ronda basically uh, and announced to the world, without even saying anything, but uh, announced to the world that she was joining WWE. Now, the contract details are still a little bit murky, but uh, from what we understand is that she is going to be a full-time participant, meaning that she is going to be doing uh, appearances and road trips uh, with the other wrestlers and not as a kind of gimmicky uh, one-time spot here where she was previously for WrestleMania because she was under her UFC contract. So uh, no word yet on if she's got a full release from the UFC or if uh, she's... uh, And I'd be shocked if the UFC just let her go. I still think UFC is in her future, but I think... This is kind of a way to delay uh, fighting in the immediate future by essentially, you know, uh, keeping yourself active in the media, being present, doing wrestling, winning matches. You know, obviously wrestling's not real, 
it's entertainment, but in terms of the way WWE can market her, uh, they could just turn her into just a human wrecking ball, just submitting women left and right. I mean, there are plenty of ways they can uh, bank this uh, Ronda Rousey appearance into something that's uh, mutually beneficial. Uh, WWE stock price at this moment has gone up uh, quite a bit. Uh, just to do the analysis of uh, what has gone on in the last uh, 48 hours, uh, it is now at a record high of $35.16. Uh, the market actually was down on the day because uh, uh, there was a, a sell-off. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, uh, this is uh, this is interesting here because you have a possibility of... M- the WWE, in terms of media contracts, their contract is going to be up uh, at the end of next year. There's a chance that WWE could be bought out by a private equity group or uh, just uh, McMahon uh, with his XFL venture staying in in the mix. But, I mean, if a private equity group came along and decided to buy WWE, McMahon could cash out and then start it. Uh, start that, that XFL with the, all the seed capital money that he could want and, you know, live out his days. I mean, the man is 70 years old. There's there's nothing uh, that uh, uh, would surprise me at this point with the way uh, media companies are being gobbled up by uh, big-time money. So uh, this uh, should be interesting, uh, to say the least, uh, because uh, Dow Jones was down over a percentage point, as was the S&P 500. Not to bore you with stock details, but the fact that WWE was up uh, over uh, 2.5% today alone kind of shows you the effect that just having a marketable uh, personality like Ronda can do uh, for a company. So, again, this is very interesting to me. I know people are poo-pooing it because it's wrestling and it's not real, but, you know, money talks, so... (laughs) Uh, you, you, you can ignore it all you want, but uh, Ronda Rousey is a very viable commodity still, and the marketplace is reacting to that. So uh, f- uh, to that end, we'll see how uh, it goes for WWE going forward. WrestleMania uh, is coming right around the corner in April, which is their biggest event of the year for those of you living under a rock and don't know what WrestleMania is. Uh, but... Uh, as it stands, uh, very interesting development, and from a business sense, uh, it makes all the sense of the world that uh, uh, WWE will be interested in Rousey. They've been interested in her for years, but uh, the opportunity finally arose, and uh, you know they were able to snap her up. So, uh, kudos, uh, kudos to them. So, moving on to a couple of other items uh, I d- didn't get to talk about. Uh, so. MLS. Now, I know it's not the sexiest topic in the world, but, you know, it being uh, the fact that this is a a podcast that covers random events that can happen, uh, you got a situation with, I I think it's quite comical, uh, to say the least, is the fact that... uh, uh, to put it mildly, MLS is one of the lowest tiers of professional soccer there is in the entire world. So having interest in a player from MLS should be seen as 
a very good thing because it raises the profile of the league. Not so in the t- case of the Orlando City, uh, Orlando City FC franchise, because they just had a contract dispute with a player, which is so laughable that I, you know I, I I have to just shake my head because of just the cluelessness of which MLS is operating on there. But I'll, I'll get into the details right now. So winding this back, uh, Kyle Laren, uh, who is the star forward or was the star forward on Orlando city was the MLS rookie in uh, 2015. Orlando city was an expansion franchise, uh, who played in the USL, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, there was a reboot when they joined MLS three years ago. Uh, Laren was their, uh, uh, first round pick, uh, in expansion. And so he was awarded to them when he signed his contract. And again, this is one of those where he signed a contract because in MLS you're locked into a contract. Although this was an interesting way of uh, just uh, kind of skirting the actual rules that uh, MLS is supposed to operate under. MLS teams can try to sign players to team options uh, for their contract. So they can play a number of years and then the team has the option of renewing the contract. So... According to Orlando City, Kyle Laren was under contract uh, with them until 2019. Kyle Laren had already played out his three years under his mind uh, of his contract, so he thought he was clear uh, to actually join a bigger club and had already made its intentions known as far back as the middle of the season uh, this past season, uh, which was about uh, seven months ago that he was clear, because I remember the story coming up over the summertime where Kyle Laren said he was uh, going to be looking to uh, leave Orlando City uh, and it was talks were stepping up and it was Besiktas uh, that he was uh, talking to. Uh, so uh, Besiktas is uh, one of the uh, biggest clubs in Turkey, if not the biggest club in Turkey. And Dwayne, uh, you could be saying, Dwayne, it's Turkey. How could they possibly have a better soccer league than MLS? Turkey has a much better soccer league than MLS. And it's not even close. Uh, just in terms of uh, being able to play on an international scale, this is a massive step up for Laren. It's not even close. This is basically going from what would amount to playing in, uh, let's say, football in the... Mm, yeah, I'd say like football in the ACC without Clemson. Uh, and moving up to playing in the NFC West uh, as of a few years ago. Not this year, but a few years ago when you had Seattle at their peak. I I mean, this is like, you're basically going up the upper echelon of uh, quality, not necessarily the best in the world quality, obviously, but enough where you're going to feel the actual talent gap. So Laren is up for uh, is moving up in, uh, quite a bit for a challenge. He could be out of his depth completely with Besiktas, but the point is is that as a club, you should be emboldened by your player being poached by larger teams. That's the way it works in soccer. You sell your best players, and you either get a player in return or you get a substantial monetary reward. Now the issue is that MLS teams pay their players peanuts. So, in terms of a buyout clause, realistically, 
they were only having to uh, pay out Orlando City $2.3 million. That's on Orlando City because they were paying Laren Peanuts to begin with uh, for what the actual fee amount uh, uh, was in terms of how they valued him. So instead of actually just negotiating a player uh, that they could get in return from Besiktas or just like negotiating normally, Orlando City tried to hold Kyle Lahren to his contract stating that the team options were valid that and it was illegal for Lahren to make the move. Meanwhile, lahren has been training with Besiktas for weeks. The player is already out of the building. He wasn't coming back to the States. He was gone. So instead of, like, actually acting like a professional club, uh, Orlando City throws a hissy fit, uh, to say the least, and tries to cite the MLS protocol uh, that uh, the team options over overhauled the FIFA governing rules, which state that team options are illegal. So MLS is already violating FIFA rules. It's just that MLS is so far down FIFA's totem pole that FIFA doesn't even feel the need to get involved in MLS-related matters because it's so beneath them, they have other things to do, like extorting other countries for World Cup money and favors. So, like, MLS is not even, like, on the agenda for two months from now, let alone something that's uh, coming up in two weeks. So, Besiktas was was threatening to file a lawsuit with FIFA. I'm not even sure how much they would have gotten with FIFA because, again, FIFA has so many other things that they would actually want to focus on that MLS dispute over a player. I mean, they'd almost laugh it out of the building. But with that regard, Orlando City had no grounds really to uh, complain over, except they only used this to get more money out of it from uh, Besiktas. So... Basically, uh, Orlando City uh, got a little bit more cash out of Besiktas, but instead of actually following uh, the protocol, which is to uh, giving 30% to the league and 10% to the player, uh, Orlando City AFC is just pocketing the entire cash amount. So whatever uh, amount it was, whether it was $3 million, $4 million, they're just pocketing the cash. And it just kind of, and they released the most ridiculous statement I, I could think of. Uh, I'll read it in full because this is this is so obnoxious to say the least. Uh, all right, so full statement here from Orlando City. After recognizing the existence of a valid contract, uh, Besiktas uh, uh, has uh, agreed with Orlando City SC on terms for the transfer of four Kyle Laren to the Turkish side. For an undisclosed fee, rumored to be around three or four million, but that's just my exposition. Although the club was disappointed with the unacceptable behavior of the athlete and his representatives, a decision was taken to guarantee compensation with the club's future in mind. (laughs) The club looks forward to focusing on the upcoming season with staff and players who honor and respect the strength. The strong values of the club and the commitment to our community to lead us through 2018 and beyond. Can you... Are you serious right now, Orlando? Really? You're you're going to trash your best player for the past three years on the way out the door and just say that he didn't honor his contract when you knew you didn't have a leg to stand on? 
They're literally claiming that Besiktas violated rules when if you truly had a legal uh, standing to hold the player, you could have forced his hand and say that uh, it's illegal for him to play. But Orlando City knows that they look ridiculous, extorted Besiktas for more cash, and didn't even get a player out of it. MLS looks like chumps in this matter because MLS should have stepped in from the get-go and just told the Orlando City that they needed to get a player or something. The, the fact that they actually uh, went along this path of allowing Orlando City to embarrass the league uh, and then trash their own player going out the door. Uh, uh, let's see what Orlando City has to look forward to. They got a Miami franchise that's popping up. They lost their best player. Uh, their other designated player, Kaka, who was the leading assist man on the team, just retired because he was already at the end of his career. Orlando City looks like a dumpster fire of a team next year. Uh, and again, because they horribly mismanaged the Besiktas situation, they didn't actually get any talent in return for Larry. So all they did was pocketed some extra cash and made sure to look extra salty uh, out the door, which made it uh, just utterly ridiculous. And I can't see any self-respecting free agent looking to sign with an MLS club to actually consider Orlando City if that's how they're going to behave with their uh, star players because that's that's about as obnoxious as it goes. Moving on to the other development for MLS. Yes, we have a new expansion team, which is why Orlando City has a big problem in that there is going to be a new MLS franchise based in Miami uh, uh, going by the name. Oh, actually, it, I, I was going to say they were going by the name of, but uh, as it says right now, they did not actually announce the name of the team. It still needs to go by Miami Vice, by the way. Uh, everyone's been calling for it. They they won't say it yet. I don't know why they won't say it yet. It's it'd be it's idiotic the fact that they haven't announced it yet. But uh, yeah, the fact of the matter is. Uh, David Beckham has finally gotten the approval uh, for this franchise. And uh, the fact of the matter is is that uh, this team is going to be coming uh, relatively soon. So it should be arriving uh, for roughly uh, that. uh, Yeah, so roughly they have this estimated as either 2020 or 2021. So not that far away. And again... You just established an Orlando City franchise, which I, I said basically just lost their two uh, biggest players, and it's going to take a while for them to rebuild. They're going to be gutted by uh, this Miami franchise. So uh, Orlando City's got a big issue. You got two Florida teams, but Miami's has their own issues because apparently they've decided to build their stadium in the middle of Old Town. Uh for those of you not familiar with Old Town, it's one of the roughest parts of Miami. So, again, not exactly the <laughs> uh, location you want to try to start a sprawling economic boom. Uh, I'm sure they probably sold Beckham on this site because it was cheap. And Beckham probably didn't even know any better. But uh, uh, in spite of all that... Uh, he had to deal with legal uh, 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 legal uh, uh, 
contention from uh, local residents who did not want the stadium to be there. So, again, this uh, is why uh, the stadium deal was held up for a number of years because uh, you had a, a lot of lawyers involved, and now it looks like MLS and Beckham has secured his victory. But it's not exactly a rousing endorsement to start off a franchise with. So now you got two uh, two franchises. One that doesn't have any players. The other has opposition from the local establishment. And they're basically coveting the same market. So it's going to be very interesting for MLS to actually sell these two franchises to casual fans outside of the Miami market to come see games because... Again, unless you got a really competitive product, and the MLS, by and large, does not have a very competitive product. I don't care what the MLS tries to sell people on. Uh, there's only a handful of team. Atlanta United seems to have gotten it right, uh, right off the bat, to be honest. Uh, NYCFC has starting to get themselves together after the Pirlo disaster that I warned people about for years. But uh, NYCFC's had a good offseason. Atlanta's been killing it. You know, MLS has to improve its overall product with teams. Uh, the LA Galaxy seem to be meandering towards the pit of just uh, overall ineptitude because they're 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 backsliding uh, via the way DC United went down the tubes. So uh, MLS has got to figure out a way of keeping their marquee franchises above board. I mean, the Red Bulls are not in the position to win anything anytime soon, but at least they're playing the shell game of moving enough pieces to make it look like they're going to be somewhat competitive while not being absolutely uh, hot garbage. So they play the game. They need more teams to learn how to play the game and be look like they're doing something without in completely disengaging the fan base. So that's all I got for MLS, but, uh, you know, it, it was interesting seeing how the league gave itself a black guy with the Kyle Lahren situation on the heels of getting, uh, of trying to make a big deal about the Miami franchise, which again, not exactly solid footing, but you know, MLS is trying to sell it as a win. So we'll, we'll, we'll give that, we'll give that Pyrrhic victory tool. All right. So, uh, getting into it again, uh, you had the Blake Griffin trade yesterday Again, I, I'm I'm so perplexed by this that it doesn't really make sense why Blake Griffin's getting moved, but it is what it is. But uh, I'm I'm very very curious to see how that move pans out. Uh, right now, you got the uh, Cavs uh, playing the Pistons. Uh, no sign of Blake tonight. Uh, uh, apparently, they're saying he's not ready to play. I'm not sure why he just got traded. Uh, you know, should be good to go, but, uh, whatever, <laughs> but, and, Ooh, yeah, that doesn't look good. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Love seems to be injured. Uh, not sure what exactly happened there. It looked like something with his hand. Uh, I'm trying to look here to see what might've happened, but, uh, yeah, Kevin Love does, that doesn't look good. So, um, anyway, uh, Interesting comments. Uh, we'll see what goes on with uh, uh, this game, but that does not look good for Kevin Love, uh, But which is the last thing the, the Cavaliers need. But, uh, you know, 
LeBron made some interesting comments today about, you know, <laughs> made some interesting comments. Uh, so LeBron was talking about uh, how the Blake Griffin trade went down uh, between the Clippers and Pistons. And he said there was a double standard when it comes to NBA players and how front offices uh, uh, characterize uh, NBA players and how the media and public uh, characterize NBA players when they ask for trades. Because he talked about Blake Griffin getting traded right after signing a contract extension. And he couldn't believe that he he was uh, traded after signing a five-year, $173 million deal that he could be traded in that same season, you know, after signing the contract extension and, you know, playing the season and then gets gets traded without uh, even getting a a voice as to uh, where he, he would go. So he, he's he's uh, he's making a case of, you know, the front office uh, could say that they were doing what was best for the franchise, but when a player decides to leave, uh, the player is labeled as not loyal and that he's uh, not committed and that the, the guy's a snake. So it was an interesting comment by LeBron because technically, and it, it, it you know, I pick on LeBron. For many reasons, because LeBron tends to be a crybaby and he tends to over-dramatize things, but he has an actual point here. Because Blake Griffin got dealt by the Clippers after they made a whole spiel in the offseason about how they wanted to make him a Clipper for life and uh, kissed his ass and did all, uh, did everything, uh, did everything possible to make him happy. And then they trade him right into the extension. I, I, I mean, he's he's uh, he's on his current contract, but he's got the extension, and now they don't they're not on the hook for it. But he never signed up for doing an extension and having to spend it in Detroit. So if uh, Blake des- decides that he wants to get traded out of Detroit, because like I said, the Pistons look ripe for just being mediocre in the East, even with. Uh, Drummond and Blake, I don't see the Pistons being anything more than maybe a, f- a five seed or a six seed in the East. They're they're not an upper echelon Eastern Conference team, in my opinion. Even with those two playing together, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if Blake asks for a trade because again, he's been used to being out in L.A. and now he's in Detroit. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's about as night and day as it gets. So. I definitely get LeBron's point there that Blake shouldn't get labeled as a snake because, you know, he got dealt when he didn't have a say in the matter. And, you know, this 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 kind of falls into like a McNulty situation. For those of you who follow The Wire, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you put him in a spot where it's just like, that's probably like one of the five places Blake would not have wanted to go to begin with, and now he's there, so... Uh, just a situation that doesn't really look like it's a a, a spot where he's going to be remotely pleased about his current predicament. But uh, like LeBron said, it, it is part of the business, so Blake's going to have to figure out a way of uh, making it work. So uh, that's what we've got there uh, going on. So uh, I'll uh, kind of tee it up uh, there. Uh, 
hopefully we get some injury updates on Kevin Love. Uh, just because that, there's... They're saying he's being taken back for X-ray, so uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, and uh, uh, we'll uh, pick it up uh, another time. But uh, have a good night, folks, and uh, hopefully uh, you have uh, enjoyed the show. Okay, then. So I was I had already cut the I already cut mul- uh, multiple endings uh, for uh, multiple intros and an ending, and I had a reopen this podcast back up again because we got yet another developing story happening in sports today in that the Chiefs have traded Alex Smith to the Redskins. Uh, you know, this night just doesn't... It's just not ending. Uh, so we, we've got... We got a trade in the NFL. We got big news in the NBA because uh, I, I talk about the Kevin Love hand injury. Turns out Kevin Love broken. uh Kevin Love's got a broken hand. Uh, this is about the worst news the Cavs could have gotten. Kevin Love has a broken hand and is going to miss anywhere from six weeks to two months. I mean, you know, he's missing a bulk of the second half of the season. The Cavs need to make a trade. Kevin Love was likely going to be one of the guys being moved, if not uh, Tristan Thompson. Now, teams can just kind of say, well, we're not interested in Tristan Thompson. The Cavs are kind of screwed because they need bodies. And, you know, the only thing I can see is maybe you move Tristan Thompson, you try to move some space, and maybe the Clippers give you DeAndre Jordan. But you got to pray the Clippers give you DeAndre Jordan because now uh, that asking price just went up because they know how desperate Cleveland is. I mean, this... This is about as bad as it gets for the Cavs. Uh, I mean, whoo. And and they're losing to the, uh, the Pistons right now. I mean, uh, this, this is as bad as it gets. I mean, they're losing to the Pistons. I mean, this would be an embarrassing loss if they dropped this game to the Pistons. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll be signing off for that game ends. But right now, they're trailing to the Pistons. And they don't have Kevin Love uh, for an extended period of time. So uh, let's get into this. Uh, basically, uh, it looks like uh, the Chiefs uh, have traded Alex Smith to the Redskins. Uh, it looks like the Redskins are going to give the Chiefs a third-round pick uh, as part of the package and are signing uh, Alex Smith to an extension of just over $23 million a year. Woo, baby. $23 million a year for Alex Smith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Redskins have so poorly played this. I mean, and I didn't even get into this other story. Uh, the fact that the Redskins are keeping their team name because Roger Goodell already made made that announcement after the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I probably should have talked about this earlier, but uh, I had to, we had so many stories going on that I, this story kind of fell by the wayside. Uh but uh, the Redskins are keeping their racist name. I probably shouldn't say uh, Redskins either. I probably should just say Washington. I try to say Washington, but I fall I fall into the habits of just being ingrained in the NFL as a kid, just saying uh, saying the name. But uh, yeah, you've got Washington paying Kirk Cousins uh, on the franchise tag the past two years in excess of twenty eight million dollars a year. 
$30 million a year. It would have been $34 million a year franchising him again uh, under the franchise tag. When they could have just signed him to an extension to begin with and not take the pick at it, but the Washington kept playing this game. So now they downgrade from Cousins to pay Alex Smith $23 million a year when the Chiefs wouldn't pay Alex Smith $23 million a year. I am so happy to hear this news. And I, you know who else is happy? Cowboys fans and Eagles fans. This is such an idiotic contract if, if, the, if this extension is to be believed uh, because uh, you're, you're essentially uh, guaranteeing that Washington's going nowhere uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I mean... I, I I don't I I just don't get it. I mean, may, maybe uh, maybe the numbers are just in terms of the salary bonus. That's what's throwing it off, and that uh, maybe he's only going to be making under twenty mil a year. I, I I gotta be shocked if his average salary is over twenty three mil a year. Uh, somebody needs to get fired in Washington because that that's an absurd amount. Uh, to be paying for Alex Smith. Uh, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Uh, you know, his previous deal with Kansas City was four years and $68 million. You You're basically giving him a pay raise for doing nothing in KC other than just you made the playoffs, but you were young. You, you, I mean, he had one year where he looked like he was a franchise QB. And even that was suspect this year because part of it was because they drafted Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith had so many yards after catch generated by his wide receivers. His numbers are completely inflated. I, I, can't, I can't imagine how Alex Smith is making over $23 million a year. Oh, man. Eli doesn't even look like the worst contract in the division right now. I mean... For the amount of people who complain about Eli's contract and how much Eli's counting on against the books against uh, the Giants, I mean, this is not even close. I mean, Alex Smith, Alex Smith has to be the most overpaid player uh, in the NFC East. It's not even close. I mean, I mean, whew. very, very interesting development if this holds true because. Alex Smith potentially making more money than Eli. It's kind of comical. Kind of comical. Not going to lie. So uh, that's the big news. So the interesting thing is where does Kirk Cousins go from here? Now, I look at this scenario uh, playing out, and the more I think about it, the more it seems to me that in my mind uh, for Kirk Cousins that – his most likely destination ends up being, you know, it's going to be a team that has a chance to win uh, based off of his comments because uh, he had an interview with uh, Pro Football Talk and he basically said it's about winning. I, I want more than anything, so I'm willing to make sacrifices to do what it has to be done to make sure I'm in the best possible position to win and that's what the focus is going to be. So by that comment alone, to me, the team that makes the most sense for Cousins is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, uh, to me, it, it should be a slam dunk for the Jags. Uh, if they want to roll uh, roll the red carpet, 
I mean, they can get rid of Blake Bortles. Uh, I mean, they don't owe him anything and have the cap space for the quarterback position that they were paying out Bortles to give a bit more of a bump uh, to bring in Cousins. If, if Cousins holds true to what he's been saying to folks, to me, Cousins to the Jags makes the most sense now because uh, Kansas City uh, has Mahomes and they traded Smith. Uh, the thought was Smith might have ended up at uh, with the Jets or the Browns. Now the fact that both those teams are off the table because Cousins says he wants to win. The Jets aren't going anywhere. The Browns look like Gilligan's Island as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, there really isn't much of an option left for Cousins at this point, which is kind of uh, funny when you think about it because Originally, the thought was, oh, he's going to have so many options. Uh, he's got the Rams uh, to think about. He, you've got a, a chance of uh, the 49ers. Golf shown remarkable strides year two. Jimmy G's in San Fran. Those options are off the table. I mean, he was good. he had a chance to go to West Coast. Uh, skins in one deal. Those uh, other quarterbacks showed up. He doesn't really have that many opportunities to go and win other than Jacksonville, if you think about it. I mean, uh, Tennessee just made a a signing variable as their new head coach. You know, he's going to be looking at Mariota and try to build a defense around him. Uh, You know, Detroit already made their commitment to Stafford, whether you agree with it or not. The Bears have Trubisky. Uh, uh, and they don't like paying quarterbacks to begin with, and the Bears, to me, aren't that close. You know, when you start narrowing it down the options, the only other destination that could work for Cousins is Minnesota, but Minnesota has so many quarterbacks that they have to sort through their cap situation that I don't think Minnesota has the cap space necessarily to manage uh, bringing in the Cousins without doing a lot of uh, tinkering with uh, the salary cap and making trades. Uh, to get rid of uh, the salaries of Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, and, uh, I mean, Case Keenum is going to be a free agent, but, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's a very interesting predicament uh, Kirk Cousins now finds himself in, now that Washington has called his bluff and made the move uh, to bring in another quarterback. Even though it's uh, if these numbers hold up true, it's one of the most ridiculous contracts you, you could ever imagine. I mean... The big winner here is uh, Alex Smith because, uh, you know, he gets paid way more than I was expecting he was going to get paid. And it didn't even involve being part of the Jets or the Browns. I mean, the Jets, he would have been uh, he would have been crucified in the New York media. The, no question about it. He would have been miserable. Browns, he would have just kept losing, so he would have been miserable there too. At least with Washington, he can hobnob with uh, uh, the delegates, I mean, although... Uh, the swamp is getting dirtier by the minute, uh, <laughs> just with some of the stories going on. I'm not going to get into politics, but uh, just the amount of random-ass stories that you're hearing out of Washington these days uh, on both sides, it's getting ridiculous. But, you know, with Washington, at least Smith has other opportunities outside of sports that you can get involved with, with charities and uh uh, the politics and uh, aside, there are other avenues uh, from uh, raising his media profile, which is a far better outcome than he could have had otherwise. So, again, big winner, Alex Smith. 
Kind of a loser here is Kirk Cousins because, like I said, the options are dwindling rapidly. And the way I'm looking at things, unless something drastic happens like a Big Ben retiring, which I don't see happening, but, you know, he needs something drastic to happen to open up a quarterback spot. Uh, if he's serious about winning and the money's not necessarily the motivating factor, you know, he's running out of spots with the musical chairs because the Giants already committed to Eli. Uh, not that I saw Cousins as a viable option, but it was a possibility that something could swing that way if Eli retired or if the Giants wanted to move on but didn't feel confident in drafting a QB. Uh, again, like I said, it's... Very interesting development here in the NFL tonight because uh, you've got a game of musical chairs going on between uh, the franchise QBs and the spots are now uh, dwindling down and Kirk Cousins uh, finds himself uh, in the prime of his career uh, set to make a ton of money except he doesn't have a team that's really in a spot to give him a ton of money to uh to get that contract so uh it's gonna be interesting to see what uh uh what uh what's uh gonna happen next because uh like i said uh you know i kind of thought this situation was gonna play out a little bit further than it has so this is an abrupt uh uh change uh, of pace so the uh washington struck first and now cousins gonna have to figure out uh what he really wants to stand on because Tuesday morning, uh, his outlook was far different than uh, Tuesday night right now. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna see uh, how he uh, f- feels about uh, his uh, current predicament, but uh, it's gonna get very interesting very quickly. Moving on to a story I just brought up uh, earlier, but uh, you know I-, I didn't get to it, and I apologize. But uh, you know. This is an interesting development because I never actually thought this would happen. But the Cleveland Indians are getting rid of that stupid Indians logo that everyone always knew was uh, uh, racist with Chief Wahoo. There was no reason for that logo to be there. But uh, the the Indians have actually respected the request of uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred uh, to actually get rid of the logo and face it out uh, as part of their condition of getting the 2019 All-Star Game. Uh, You know, this is actually a sign of progressive change. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, Bomani Jones on ESPN wore a, uh, just in mockery of the logo, he wore a Caucasian shirt, just like showing the, the, uh, the, the same logo of the Indians, just... Uh, t- uh, took off the took off the feather and just like made it uh, uh, made it a white guy uh, instead. But it, it it was a racist logo with Chief Wahoo. There's no getting around it. So uh, the team will still have their racist uh, trademark with Chief Wahoo, and they can still sell the uh, they can still sell the mer- merchandise with the logo to their fans. So the. <laughs> They could still sell the Wahoo gear uh, to their fans at the stadium if they wanted to. They just can't sell it on the MLB website. So, and it won't be on the actual jerseys anymore. So, basically, they can keep the stupid logo as long as it's not on 
you're uh, they can they can wear they can wear uh, they can wear the fans can wear it in the stands. The players just can't wear it on the field, which I guess is a compromise. You would think that people would just get a, get around to just accepting the fact that they shouldn't be wearing the logo to begin with, but I guess it's a step in the right direction. The one thing, though, I will say is that it seems to be punishment that you're sending people to go to Cleveland in 2019, and the fact that people are still going to be profiting off of a racist logo, but... You know, I guess it's a sign of progress. But again, like I mentioned, Washington in the NFL is not changing. So you can still count on Dan Snyder uh, maintaining a tradition of insulting Native Americans all across the globe with uh, his own franchise. So uh, that uh, is something that will not change going forward. So MLB may be changing, but the NFL is firmly rooted and insulting uh, Native culture. So uh, that is, should be all for tonight, hopefully, because uh, I, I, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a bit going on today. And, uh, well, and, nope, one more story. All right, so we got, uh, we got news on Twitter. Nothing official yet, but it looks like uh, the Thursday night football games are going to be on Fox next year. So if you want to see crappy football Thursday nights, you can turn to Fox instead of CBS or NBC. Not that it matters. These games are going to be terrible. I'll still be doing your fantasy lineups next year, though, so no worries about that. But, uh, th- well, well, we'll see if the deal closes. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I I guess that's something. Uh, it's not going to change the schedule one bit. The Thursday night games are still going to stink. But uh, uh, for by and large, just because of the way the NFL works their schedule. Uh, and the players will still complain because there's still going to be injuries with Thursday night football because players can't rest properly. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Uh, I'm going to call it a night and uh, finally get this uh, episode on the air, even though we've uh, essentially put together I uh, put together two episodes in one. Uh, but uh, let's hear that Pat's rally one more time because I, I can't get enough of it. Gotta love the butchering of the English language. Gotta play one more time. I can't get enough of that. Alright, good night everybody. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss 
Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, I'll take Giselle, okay? <laughs> is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.